Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome. You are tuned into Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. This podcast is a space for honest and relevant conversations meant to recharge Black women and inspire you on your journey. We're your hosts, Akila Friend and Ty McRae, and each week we'll be addressing a range of topics from self-care, entrepreneurship, to politics and relationships. Join us as we explore the ups and downs and bask in the joys of Black womanhood. Black women and those who love Black women, welcome to this protected space. This is Monuments to Me, brought to you by Revolt. We're your hosts, Akila Friend. And I'm your co-host, Ty McRae. Listen, and... Ty and I today, we're just going to be answering the question, who all going to be there up front? Because we know how y'all get. (laughs) So just so you know, after this episode, we want you to know how dope this concept, this podcast, and this journey we're all taking together is about to be. And also why Ty and myself are just so poised to do it. So let's just get right into it, Ty. Absolutely. We want everyone to know how excited we are about what to expect, how excited we are about the opportunity, and how excited we are about all the guests that are going to join us on this journey. So how about we kick things off with just our overall excitement? If you don't hear it right now, just know that we are (laughs) bursting through the seams with excitement for this podcast, but also with just the amount of conversations we're about to have. So Ty, why are you excited about this podcast? I'm excited because I think it's needed. I am a podcast enthusiast, podcast junkie. I listen all the time, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I'm listening to a podcast. And there are so many out there, but I don't know that any of them really balance all the things I need of that part of me that's an intellectual and I want to think and I want to learn. And the part of me that is from Brooklyn and slightly ratchet, like who brings together all the parts of me in one space? So I want to make sure that we create a space where all the multifaceted 
dimensions of black womanhood can have a space to be talked about. So that's why I'm excited. And I'm excited to be doing this with you. I think you bring an amazing perspective. I, I think you're the, the cool one of the group and I'll just, I'll play my nerd role. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you just said you had two sides. Nerds get down too, okay? And we're going to bring that out. We're going to bring that out for sure. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's inside there. It's in there somewhere. Why are you excited yes, about I this? I love that. Honestly, Ty, I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel like Monuments to me is just... This, we are the culture, specifically, I feel like Black women, right? And I think Monuments to me is really celebrating that. And to be doing that with a platform that has, like Revolt, that has its pulse on the culture for not only Black America, but I think America overall is just so exciting. I think what we're going to do just with Monuments to me between bringing in, let's say, experts in their field, Black women leaders and thought provokers and just, you know, folks that are out here doing it and giving them a platform to talk more about the issues that we find so relevant in our community is exciting. I think just really talking through and sharing our takes as two young, you know, Black women who are still getting it, still grinding, still in the mode and in our own personal journeys, I think is exciting to see because, you know, oftentimes when I listen to podcasts, it might be talking from like in hindsight type of view. This is what I did 20 years ago to get where I'm mm-hmm. at. This is what I feel like should the world should look like. No, we're giving it to you raw. We're giving it to you real from two women, us two that are really in the midst of our journey to that Black women excellence, you know, pillar that we're aiming for. But also when it comes to just speaking to very pivotal women that are helping us along the way and helping you, the listeners, along the way, get to your version of your promised land, right? We love it. Absolutely. They're going to see us on our journey. I'm calling it the messy middle. Like, not everything has been figured out. I think I have some amazing accomplishments, but it's definitely not all figured out. And on this podcast journey, there's so much I learned from guests that I hope our audience learns from guests too. So they're helping me out on my messy journey. Like this podcast is as much for me as it is for all our listeners. (laughs) And I thought of another thing. I thought of another reason why I'm super excited to be doing this. I think it's amazing that we've created a space specifically for Black women. I think we throw around that term women of color, we throw around that word women, but there's so many topics that hit Black women differently. And I don't want to get lost in a much broader conversation. I think a broader conversation is powerful, but I think a specific conversation for and with Black women is still needed and still very, very relevant. So I love our specificity. I love how unapologetic we're going to be about that specificity. And I think starting from that place, yes, there's love and um, community broadly, but this podcast is going to get really specific. Oh, you better say that. I feel like too, just not only with women, I think just when it comes to blackness, right? I feel like right now when you think of, at least when I think of the podcast that I listen to and love still, but the black podcast that I know 
it's really men that own that space. You know, it seems to be black men by and large are owning that podcast space. Obviously we have our podcast and there's a lot of black women out here doing their thing. But I think in this capacity, in the way that we're talking to it, the the conversations that we're budding, we're planning to have that we're not geared towards only one theme, you know, one genre. It's really just super diverse, super collective. You know, it's very, this is, you know, we're about to start a movement. All right. <laughs> we're about to start Absolutely. a movement. I'm so excited for it. So we should let people know what they can expect. It'll not just be a dialogue with Akila and myself. We're going to bring in experts. Sometimes we'll bring in two people. Sometimes it'll be one. It'll just be a group of amazing Black women in dialogue about crucial conversations. For sure, for sure. And really just leave you motivated to tackle the day, the night, your life. But also... I feel like folks are thinking, well, who is Akila? Who is Ty? Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> I think they Why might know who you are by now, but we should tell them anyway. Like, how did you arrive in this seat as a multi-hyphenated podcast host, TV host, media executive? Yeah. Tell us who you are. Honestly, how did I arrive? Um, God. <laughs> God and hustle. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. Um, but for me, <laughs> exactly. For me, this journey has been a winding road. So I love that term, messy middle. I feel like we're going to use that a lot in Monuments <laughs> to Me um, because my journey has not been a straight one. You know, I when I first started in the, in this whole thinking through what do I want to do with my life, et cetera, et cetera. I actually went to school for public health. You know, I thought I was going to run a hospital. I was very much into what makes a person, you know, have their outcome be a certain thing versus somebody else. What is that holistic experience that someone is going through in their life? Why, you know, Potentially you have asthma, but you don't. You get this kind of care, but you don't. The levels of access that someone gets um, and based on oftentimes the knowledge that they receive is trickles down to so many different aspects of their life. And I was so invested in that because that was something that I've, you know, noticed growing up in my life, you know. From the Bronx, New York, raised by a single mother, first generation American. My whole family is Jamaican. So it was really just more of like, okay, you know, I'm here. I'm recognizing that things are a little different, right? There's a little different yeah. from one person's versus the next. Why is that? And, you know, obviously I've been... Um, you know, grateful to be in a lot of different types of spaces. I went to boarding school for high school, but also that was something that was unusual for my family, unusual for the neighborhood that I came from. Um, and that goes back to access and, and what happens thereafter. So, you know, thought healthcare realized, you know, there's no way I was going to be wearing scrubs every day and was kind of thinking through what else can I, what else can I do? Right. And so I went into business and I, I really liked consulting because I liked the idea of problem solving. It, it kind of, the, the through line was there in that way. And so when I started consulting, um, I noticed, okay, there's a, there's a, way to get into the media industry, um, not by only being a director or producer. There's there's a business lane to this too. And I thought it really helped tie in my creativity, but also the the want for me to really have some sort of business and executive um, mindset towards whatever I do. And so did that for a little bit, 
went to Columbia to get my master's in business. And then from after, it was off to the races. And even then, it's not like folks go to business school to become podcasters <laughs> or to become, <laughs> you know, media, media, media hosts. So it was still a very winding road then. But I think that gave me the opportunity to go back to my former self, which was just kind of like dreaming bigger, thinking what. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. And that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbird wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ-certified merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon-negative EVA material made from sugarcane. What happens if you don't fail? What is it that you truly want to do? The What is it if you, as a Black woman, um, was unstoppable, right? And so that that was kind of my awakening again to figure out like, you know what, don't let society or kind of the constraints that are oftentimes placed on women, placed on black women, placed on dark skinned black women, stop you from doing what you want to do. You just do something in there at the end. You doing, Mm -hmm. you doing colorism. How do you think that has affected your journey? Just, and colorism is a very real thing, but you just do it. And I'd love to know what you were thinking. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it hasn't been so avert. It's when I really sit back and think about it, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I have been in spaces, even in the workplace where, you know, I've oftentimes done more or at the very least had more work experience or the same work experience. And I ask my, you know, lighter skinned colleague, oh, how much are you getting paid? And I realized, okay, it was, it was a difference. And I couldn't attribute that to anything because we had the similar educational background, similar experience. I'm like, what could have been that reason. And it's not for fault of my own for not negotiating because I negotiate in every room that I'm in. Right. So I was kind of like it, it, it kind of felt like that could be a reason, obviously, on a personal level, you're going out with your friends, this and that. I, I noticed certain differences, particularly in certain cities <laughs> where I'm at, um, that does play a role. I think just the idea of two Akilah, being in. we have created a safe, protected space. You can name those cities. <laughs> Tell us what happened. <laughs> you want to know the T? We already going I there? Do. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to name one. I feel like Miami was a place where I went. And um, I remember, and this is not every 
every person's experience, but at least for me, when I went to Miami um, I and was going out, I was stopped at the club by, by the, um, what is it, by the bodyguard. All of my, you know, light-skinned friends were able to go in, me the and my bouncer. other dark-skinned. Yes, Whoa. yes, yes, yes. And we were stopped, you know, and at first, you know, you could put it so many things. Okay, you were stopped because what? Capacity. So at first we were just like, okay, maybe let's give it a second. And then we started realizing who kept being able to go in and we were like, okay, that that's something, something to do with it. Same in LA. I'm going to give LA another shout out for that as well. <laughs> um, I do think there's, there's certain... There's still work to be done. Let's say that. It's not that it's not a putting it politely. open and shut case. Yeah, you know, and that's it's that's what makes these kind of situations hard because it's hard to name. Is that truly the reason? Is there something else? You know, like so I've always tried to again see different perspectives, but after a while you're like, mm, I can't not say that this is not a reason mm-hmm. for for why certain things, why my journey has been a little more more grind mode than not, you know? I feel like this is attributed to that as well. And I'm naming more like, okay, going out situations, but it happens in the workplace. It happens in in everyday life too. And I, and I do take that seriously, especially being in what we're doing in the media industry, because I think, you know, it's important to have that diverse perspective and that diverse look. The people listening are going to learn that I'm a data and numbers and stats person. And so there's all these interesting yes. studies about like, even sentencing, like when a criminal mm-hmm. is sentenced, they get a higher sentence if, you know, if they're darker skin, definitely with pay and how they're treated. And that's just rooted in slavery and white supremacy. And it's interesting to think of it in a very broad academic way. And then to listen to you tell mm-hmm. a personal story, it's always heartbreaking. So I hope we just yeah. do, continue to stop doing that to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I love that you're bringing all of your personal experiences to this podcast, making it a part of the conversation. Um, you can't have Black women together talking about important topics without talking about racism, colorism, going out, access, dating. So all of those things we're, we're going to discuss. And I love For your sure. journey about starting out in healthcare and making pivots because even though we have very different journeys, there is some similarities. So I started out mm-hmm. in science as well. Cool. I felt like growing up, I was really smart, bit of a, um, you know, I love doing well in school. And I think when you're young and you're smart and you're a woman and you're a black woman, they're like, oh, if you're smart, you should do science. And I was like, okay. You know, I just kind of said, okay, I didn't really think about what do I want to do? I don't even think if someone asked me, I would have known, but I was all about science and tech and chemistry major, went on to get a PhD also in the sciences. And I had this moment that I had so many different interests that Mm -hmm. I felt like had I continued to pursue this academic track, I would have had to really push all of those other interests aside. Like being a college professor, pursuing tenure, pursuing research, it's a lot of work. Those are some long days and you don't have time. There's no, there's not a lot of side hustles. At least I didn't see that for me in the moment. And the things that lit me up were things that were inherently political. Um, Thinking about access and success of women in science, thinking about the success of black and brown students in the sciences. And so I started working towards those initiatives and those were so much fun for me as much, if not more than the lab work that I was doing. 
And so, you know, you talk about your experience in healthcare and thinking about access. I had this really powerful experience when I was um, in school and I went to, um, I was, was at Cornell for my PhD and I stayed um, longer to work. And I got to work with the Cornell Prison Education Program. So that was my, um, part of my awakening into just access, injustice, racism, criminal justice system, just you name all the isms. It was one way that I could see it play out and see all the things that I had been learning and reading about, you know, manifest itself. And that was really part of my politicization, (laughs) if that's what we'll call it, you know, how did Thai become radicalized? It was a journey, it didn't happen (laughs) overnight, but that was part of it. And that's part of why I love having these conversations um, about issues that affect Black people, because it it makes you bring in the history. It makes you bring in all the topics. And, you know, the science part of me is still there. You know, I know how to read a journal article and, you know, that'll, I I love data and I love facts and I question people. So that's there too. And and it's needed. And it's needed, especially for these, like, because it's not like every conversation we're going to have, it's super heavy. But I think when you're talking about Black topics and two Black women, it's important to recognize that there's so many factors <laughs> for why things mm-hmm. are the way they are. And so it sounds like we're going to be bringing that in. So we're going to tap into that, you know, that scientific approach <laughs> to And it sounds like we're not always podcasting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it sounds like we're not always going to agree just because yeah. you're from the Bronx and I'm from Brooklyn and there's just inherently right. a little, at yeah. least when I was growing you up, know? there was like a little like, wait, where are you from? Right. <laughs> but my father still grew there. up in the Bronx. <laughs> and so so I that means had, I feel like your dad needs to be on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast for black women so he can listen. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I was one of those people from Brooklyn who actually, I went to the Bronx occasionally. Mm-hmm. My grandmother lived there, um, but I am Brooklyn through and through. bed I love that. All day. Do or die, bed Yeah, for me, yes. I, I mean, my first trip to Brooklyn, I said, wow, I, I need a bag. We going on a flight. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it seemed so far away, but I love it. I love it. We're going to be bringing clearly heavy New York energy, but not only that, because I feel like we both have so many different cultural experiences. I Mm -hmm. mean, we've lived in a bunch of different places. I feel like, Ty, you can share a little bit more about that as well. I know. And you too, you just made a big move. So you're in Atlanta now. How is that? Is it like New York? Is it like LA and Miami or is Atlanta giving you more love? Atlanta is, is a... Definitely a black renaissance on steroids. And don't get me wrong. I loved L.A. Like I really did. Miami, Miami, get, they get a cute weekend out of me. And then I do need to head back after, after two or three days. But L.A. I've lived in for about three years. I think L.A. has really cultivated that, you know, my career in that sense. So I, I always have love for L.A. there socially. Mm. <laughs> but it didn't really have the New York energy. Atlanta, I think, is going to be that happy mix. We're still starting. And so as we talk about this journey and where we are, like, you know, I'll, I'll be able to share more about um, places for Black women and, you know, to just allow us to thrive a little more easy, easier. And so, so far, Atlanta seems like that. But also, also great, you know, number of places abroad I've lived in or at least at least worked from, including some places on the continent. And so I feel like, especially when we talk about Black women, we got to talk about the diaspora too. And so we're going to be bringing that perspective and hopefully bringing that even not through us, at least through the guests that we have um, joining us for these episodes. Yeah, I'm glad we're going to bring in the diaspora. I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to, when I was younger, to 
spent some semesters in school, a semester in grad school in um, South Africa, another semester in college okay. in South Africa. So the diaspora is a part of my life. And even my earliest trips as... These days, having versatile clothing you can wear anywhere is a must. That's why American Giant makes clothing that fits into your life and is made to last. Plus, with an impressive selection of staples to choose from, there's something for everyone. And it's all made right here in the USA. Find your new wardrobe staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code WA23. It's a family, like our family trips. We would go to like Tanzania. There's like an expat that we knew there. So Ty, not, I mean, I lived in Tanzania too. That's so crazy. <laughs> I, I visited, Tanzania was one of the places we visited. I've been there twice, but South mm-hmm. Africa is the where, where I've stayed the longest. Um, the longest, so I gotcha, did gotcha. A semester in Durban and another one in Cape Town. Mm, okay. And those those were good good times. Very, very good times. <laughs> Love that. Shout out, shout out to Cape Town. I want to visit for sure. Talk about a little bit more about influences then. I mean, we talked about influences of place, our backgrounds, um, where we've lived, a little bit about family, but let's dive into that a little bit more. Like where, how is that influencing what you're going to be bringing to this podcast, your family? That is a good question. I think family is such a huge part of it because it's, you know, those formative years, how you grew up. So like I said, I grew up in Brooklyn. My mother's from Brooklyn. I grew up in a house where literally four generations of my family have lived in Brooklyn um, on this particular street. And they were brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Black women. And I always joke that education is the religion in my family. You know, my father is brilliant. You know, he's taught at universities. He's a brilliant creative. So there's something kind of academic, kind of nerdy about my approach and lens through which I see the world, but also there's something extremely political. So mm. my entire family, my parents, my grandparents, always politically engaged, politically engaged beyond voting, but like, how do you build community? How do you, you know, what does mutual aid look like before I even knew what mutual aid was was a word? How are we supporting mm the people that we live next to, that we're in relationship with, you know, when you've lived in the same place for 40, 50, 60, now 70 years, you know, you're a part of that fabric. And so those were beautiful lessons for me. My grandmother was in politics, heavily into unions. So when I say my lens in the world is left-wing, liberal, progressive, like those words don't even describe you know, (laughs) the viewpoints, (laughs) like to me, like NPR is centrist, (laughs) like (laughs) you're very, (laughs) so that's just a part of my point of view and how I see the world. And, um, so many things I'm the middle, I'm the middle child. So I, you know, I walk around with a middle child who always thought I was the oldest. I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) We're just going to pretend, but I have an older sister, younger brother. And, you know, there's a lot of love there. What about I you? I love that. I love that. Okay. I'm learning so much, to be honest. Um, for me, family and the influences there is, is you're, you're definitely going to see that throughout this podcast. Like, as, like I mentioned, first generation American. So with that, there's always been a level of discovery in terms of how we're seen here versus abroad and, and, and really forging our own path um, because- when it comes to family, we're pretty much, my immediate family are pretty much the only ones in the States anyway. And so I'm really looking to their perspectives in terms of 
how they're walking and navigating here, um, which is home, you know? America is definitely home for us. Um, I'm one of four, two older brothers and a younger sister. So I get you on that middle child <laughs> slash oldest because I get to tout, okay, well, I'm the first girl, right? So technically <laughs> I can be, I can be the oldest in some, in some ways. Um, but for me too, it's kind of like, I, I, I'm going to bring that balance. Cause I think a, a part of me when it comes to family has always had to be that balance, right? Or know that there is a balance and there's different types of Black out there. Like, you know, yes, I have a master's, but I'm the only one in my family that does. Everyone else, you know, is a mixture of high school, you know, graduate to college degree to associates. It's it's very, very varied. And because of that, very varied life work. Some very much, you know, what is it? Blue collar, in some white collar, um, some pink collar <laughs> jobs. And, <laughs> and with that, there's a very, it's a range when it comes to access, it's a range when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to just um, experience and always having to have a sense of like, listen, yeah, you're doing all this stuff, but let's be grounded. Let's be, yeah. you still gotta be down. <laughs> What's going on? And so I think for me, it's a balance between being excited and how do you explain that excitement? How do you explain what you do? I feel like I've been trying to tell my family what what it is my job actually is for at least 10 years now. So, so there's a level of that um, having to really just I break it down. I have the same problem. Um, it's like, what, what yes. do you do? <laughs> right. Every now and then it's like, are, okay, are you the Tommy you of your family? Rent, but how? <laughs> uh, yeah, very much. I've been called Tommy a number of times, actually. You know what I think best <laughs> the joke is like, they've stopped asking because they know you can support yourself. That's where I feel like. That's it. That's they it. Are. <laughs> that's it for sure. But well, I mean, that's I a think question, it's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, best you can, maybe for your family, yeah. maybe for the listeners. Can you tell the people yeah. what do you do? Aside from this podcast, what do you do in the world? Ooh, Yes. So I am overall a TV host and a TV executive. I'm just truly a multi-hyphenate in that way. So as a host, um, I also do host on another Revolt show. um, And hopefully you guys check it out. You can balance both. (laughs) Um, So that's what I do. And so really just all around what I do is try to, you know, expand content, expand opportunities for Black people to be seen in multiple lights. And that's through, I think it's through media is the most powerful method that we have in the universe to make sure that certain messages get across, to make sure that, you know, certain internal beliefs get strengthened or diminished. It's what you see. And so that's kind of, um, it's always been the space that I've now realized that I want to play because it's important to know that Whatever you want to do, it's possible. And oftentimes it's by seeing it. So that's what I do I love on the daily. You're in, you're <laughs> in front of, of the camera, you're behind the mic, mm-hmm. you're the executive. So all things media. Mm-hmm. Love that. There so we go. Exactly. Basically a, a media executive. I love that. So my story is mm-hmm. a little different. So I um, most recently worked in tech. So I was out in the Bay for six years. I worked for companies that you may know, like Airbnb and Pinterest. I also consult. So I have a longer roster of startups that you may have heard of, 
VC firms and I do a lot of consulting, leadership coaching. I'm leaning a lot more into the coaching and working with people at those companies. In addition to hosting this podcast, um, doing that all while transitioning out of the Bay. Um, Part of my life is as a digital nomad and part of it is in the United States. So it's a very interesting time. We're going to have to call it messy middle one more time, (laughs) but it's been really fun. It's been really fun to have that choice. What is it about being a digital nomad that really enticed you and why doing it abroad too? Or partially abroad, well, I should what's say. Interesting is I was in the Bay the all through the pandemic because you just kept naively, I just kept thinking, okay, we might go back, we might go back. And then also there's something like a little disruptive about moving. So at the point where I realized, okay, we're going nowhere, I was like, Well, let me stay here. You know, people I know are here. It didn't always feel, you know, easy or safe to travel. And then once things quote ended. I don't know if we've ended, but once there was a shift, I realized, okay, my work has not come back to being in person. If I could be anywhere in the world, would I be sitting in this apartment in Oakland? Sometimes the answer was yes, but sometimes it was no. So I started understanding that there were some really fun, thriving Black communities all over the world. I had a colleague I knew that was leaning into Portugal and he was like, I might buy in Portugal. And I was like, okay, I want to be on a similar time zone. I want us to be able to get back to family quickly. So I started um, moving around Mexico. So I visited places in Mexico I've never been. I was in Merida for a little bit and that was a beautiful place to see. Mm -hmm. By the way, I learned Merida, the safest city in North America. Who knew? Interesting. You know, wow. It is. <laughs> and there is a thriving Black expat community there that I was able to connect with, including just the beauty of the Mexican city that was there. So, Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm learning Spanish. I'm moving around Mexico. I call it slow travel, you know, so I'm Mm -hmm. staying for months at a time in places and I'm able to come back to the States. I've, you know, I come back all the time. I I would say we're still at (laughs) (laughs) 50-50. Love that. Of where I am. Love that. But yeah. And I had my first official Spanish lesson was um, two days ago. So even though I've been in Mexico for um, a few months, I'm still still at the very beginning stages of this language journey because I took French when I was in school. So Spanish (laughs) is is not a part of the toolkit yet. Love that. It is a journey though. And I mean, clearly their new M2M family is going to watch you embark this. So I mean, let the people know in a year, right? In a year, what do you want Monuments to Me to have done for Black women? Good question. Because I'm a dreamer. I love a good vision board. I don't even wait till the new year. I do a vision board whenever my heart desires. And so if I'm doing the dreaming for monuments to me, I want us to be irrelevant. I want us to be authentic and honest. I want people to know that they will tune in and listen and get some conversations and insights that they don't hear anyplace else. Mm-hmm. And I want all different parts of people to be fed, the part that wants to be informed politically and the part that just wants 
sisterhood and entertainment and lightness and even, a you know, a couple of celebrity hot topic conversations. I want it to be just all those parts that I think make up the beauty of Black women. What about you? Come on now, that is it. I think for me, I really want Monuments to Me to be a place and to be the podcast that everyone knows you can truly feel connected. Because I think the biggest thing in this world oftentimes is, is as much information that there is out there, there's dwindling when it comes to true connection, you know, through so many outlets. We're creating all these opportunities to connect and yet people are not really either not tapping into it or don't feel like they can because the space is not obviously built for them from the ground up. We are clearly that space from ground zero for Black women and for those who love Black women. And so we say that proudly. We say it, you know, directly because we want you to know that, listen, come in, let your hair down, you know, grab some wine and really just tap in because we're tapped into you. And I really want this year to be one of many, first of all, <laughs> that we're doing this. Claim and it. Also, right? And also an opportunity to really just uncover the veil around just the complexity of Black women, the joy of Black women, the excitement of Black women, the ability for, for Black women to truly truly thrive, truly entertain, truly inform, and just truly connect. And we're going to lead the charge, Ty, I think, with that. And, and I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm <laughs> so excited about Monuments to Me. <laughs> I'm excited, too, because I think we're the best people to tell our stories. So I want there to be yes. more spaces and platforms and forums for Black women to tell their stories. But I think it's twice as powerful when Black women tell the stories with and about other Black women. So that's why I'm excited. I know that that's what we'll do over the year. All the things we just said, we're going to do. And we're and gonna so much do. more. We're going to do And it. so much more. Okay. So, I mean, this was just a, a quick tap in into what to expect, but just know episode after episode, we're coming to you hot. We're coming to you direct with not only our takes, but also, as we mentioned, guests who always are in the field that we want to talk about. We're not just throwing things together. If, if we're talking about finance, we got financial experts. If we're talking about politics, we got politicians or the activists that are there. If we're talking about entertainment, I mean, we could do that. We're entertaining, but we'll have a lot of entertainers If we're talking about entertainment, well, we have right? a killer. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're talking about politics, healthcare, science, I mean, the list goes on. We have ties. So I, I'm here for that. But also in terms of just like the you know, the format will have that. But we also have a signature question. We kind of answered it in a way for our year for Monuments to Me, but we do also want to know, want to let you know up front that we're going to be tapping in episode after episode, really drilling down what is your dream for Black women. And I want Ty to really talk about this because honestly, the first time she asked me that, I was like, yeah, this, this, this is going in Monuments to Me. I'm so glad we get to ask our guests and even ourselves that question every episode. What is your dream for Black women? So I'm a huge Stacey Abrams fan. Um, I think she's brilliant and I cannot wait for her to be governor of your new state, Akilah, Georgia. Ooh. But in one of her books, <laughs> she really talks about meeting with this Black woman and understanding that she was in survival mode and she never took the time to dream or paint a vision for her future. 
And I think so many Black women, and I've been in this situation, you get to be an autopilot. You're in survival mode. There's a lot thrown at you. You have so many responsibilities. There's work, your heads of households. Just thinking about the way Black women have been affected by the pandemic over the last two years, how many times have you taken a pause to dream and to have a vision for the future? And if you don't take time to pause and have a dream and a vision, how do you know you're working towards it? How do you know you're making the right kind of progress? So I think it's a powerful question. And I think it allows us to bring lightness and joy to conversations about Black women because I am not for only misery and pain. I think life is beautiful. And I know being a Black woman in America and in this world is not easy, but I think we do it with grace and beauty and laughter. And I want that question to like pull those elements into whatever conversation we're having. So it was really inspired by reading Stacey Abrams' book and well, one of her many books. And I'm glad we get to talk to people about it. Yes, yes. I mean, that that question on on its own, I'm sure will just, as you said, just pull so many different emotions, reactions. And I think not only out of the guests, but out of us when it comes to every topic that we're going to be talking about and the range that we're going to bring to Monuments to Me. But y'all, if you liked what you heard today, clearly, clearly subscribe to Monuments to Me. Tell a friend to tell a friend about what will be your new favorite podcast because we already love you for listening and for really tapping into yourself and deciding to say, listen, Monuments to Me is, is going to be the, the pillar for me to, to have my own personal glow up. And so we're here, we're here for that. If you liked what you heard today, so much more is going to be discussed today. I feel like it was just the very tip of the iceberg. So continue to listen, continue to tell your friends and leave us a review. That would be extremely helpful. So thank you again. Can't wait to be on this journey with you all. Thank you for tuning into Monuments to Me. A special thank you to Revolt for creating the space for Black women to have important conversations. If you liked what you heard today, and we are so sure that you did, then subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend about your new favorite podcast. Head over to Revolt.com to stay connected to all things Monuments to Me. And follow your hosts, Pi and Akila, on Instagram. The link is in the show notes. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.